so we will get started this evening. If you will please join me for the Pledge of Allegiance. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Thank you all for joining us this evening. We will start out with B1, which is a report by the interim superintendent. Interim superintendent. Thank you very much. Um, we actually had a request tonight to make an adjustment in the setup of the room. That came late in the afternoon, but we were able to look at that and, and make that happen. So hopefully this is a little bit better for people to have the podium off to the side and be able to see the board. Uh, what goes along with that is a little bit of struggle with technology. So I think we'll be able to pull up um, the PowerPoint presentation and, and as I go through. But if not, if we have a snag, um, again, this is our, our second meeting in the building and we're still trying to work out the bugs. So appreciate your, your understanding with that. So um, right off the bat, we want to talk a little bit about Aaron Smith. Uh, Aaron is one of the bright shining stars for the Shining Mission School District. She's recently been, uh, and she's a student at Shawnee Mission West, recently has won the International BioGenius Challenge. Along with that was a $7,500 prize. Uh, she's received widespread recognition for her technology research. You may have seen on TV um, over the last year, uh, she's had a couple of the stations that have, have uh, picked up and have told her story, but she has worked on technology for a uh, smartphone that will pick up facial recognition and uh, detect the onslaught for Parkinson's disease. So again, and she's a junior in the Shawnee Mission School District in our um, technology program. So uh, she's also been chosen to participate in the China Adolescent Science and Technology Innovation Contest, which is another international uh, fair. And she studies in our biotechnology signature program, which we're going to talk a little bit later on tonight during the meeting, but we will open up in August with students in our signature programs in this building. Uh, very proud of that. Uh, we, number is right about 400 students will be in the building as we start uh, the school year. Along with Aaron, Brenda Watts, longtime teacher of our biotechnology program, uh, has, just does wonderful work with our students. Brenda is uh, the instructor there and has been there for years. She'll be moving from West over to this building. She was named as a state finalist for the Presidential Award for the Excellence in Mathematics and Science Teaching. She's being considered as a national finalist. Uh, she's honored among educators for her high degree of, of knowledge, innovation, skill, and leadership. So we're very proud of her. Summer Lunch Bunch is off to a great start. You know, over the last several years, we have provided lunches uh, for students across our school district during the summertime. It's a program that's paid for by the U.S. Department of Agriculture. We, food all, we feed all kids that can come inside the door from one year of age to 18 daily. Um, no questions asked. If they get there, we feed them. And to date over this summer, we've already served 10,000 meals. Uh, so that's... 10,000 great meals for our kids uh, during the summertime. Summer enrichment's off to a great start. Students have been gathering in Indian Woods for the summer uh, enrichment, uh, getting a chance to explore and discover uh, through the learning process. 
In summer, Richmond students are exploring science, performing arts, entrepreneurship, and all kinds of activities. Our summer enrichment, summer academy, summer music, and e-school are all in full swing and operating. So school never ends in the Shawnee Mission School District. We, we just move on to the, to the next program and the next stage and then on to the next year. In addition to that, Jumpstart um, started today across the district. And our kindergartners, are, uh, kindergartners to be are reading, writing, and learning the skills of being a student. Early childhood education is a priority in the district, and we're grateful to many of the educators, the foundation, and the community partners who make the program possible. Um, again, school may be out, but learning never stops in the Shawnee Mission School District. I'm proud of the fact, uh, I've been very uh, vocal about this over the last couple of years, um, about uh, this state and their funding of our kindergarten program. And although the school district had taken a stance to pay for the kindergarten program for parents for a full day, um, it was finally passed in this last um, state school funding formula. So now we're going to begin to work on early childhood programs. Uh, so those any legislators that might have my ear, um, we can begin to focus on, on those programs. Last but not least, our construction update. Just a brief synopsis, um, as we started our work back in 15, and we have completed about $165 million worth of projects throughout the Shawnee Mission School District. We have about $80 million left of projects that we're working on. Uh, that $80 million is a part of the promise that was made uh, to the patrons as they voted for um, our bond issue. And again, I always like to say we appreciate that 80% vote that supported us through that process. So we've got about $80 million left as we look at projects that need to be done. We've got HVAC, we've got roof, roofs, chillers, sidewalks. Um, we have the aquatic center that uh, will be underbid um, in uh, late August, early September. We'll start that work in the in the fall and on into the winter. We have uh, Lenexa Hills Elementary. We have Brookwood that we'll ask the board tonight to make motions on. So a lot of the major projects. Um, South Stadium is underway and will be done in August. Uh, as we look down through, we've got gym floors and floor replacements across the district and turf fields. And uh, we're a new kitchen that we have that's going in at East Antioch. Um, a lot of work that's going on through the summertime uh, out of uh, Mr. Robinson's office. And uh, again, really, really good things as we begin to continue to try to improve our infrastructure across the district and look at really a new standard for what we want our classrooms to be across the Shawnee Mission School District. I will be the first to tell you that this work will never be done in the Shawnee Mission School District with 50 schools. There's always going to be projects that would be out there for us to, to work on. So um, we're going to continue that work. Reminded that we'll be opening Benninghoven in the fall. Uh, Trailwood also remind, remind um, parents that might be watching that we did delay the work on our uh, parking lot, our driveway, and also uh, the playground. And so that the demolition could be take place in the summertime. The end result of that is it will be in the fall, early winter before that project is complete. But uh, again, a lot of great things going on in the Shawnee Mission School District. We're going to continue to work 
uh, until all the work is done. And but we're, Mr. Robinson assures me we'll be ready for the first day of school. Isn't that right, Mr. Robinson? Yes, sir. Okay. That's what we like. So, again, um, thank you, and uh, we'll move forward. Thank you, Dr. Southwick. Okay, we move to C1, which is a legislative update. Dr. Little, thank you for joining us this evening. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. <laughs> I am. It's better than being in Topeka, let me say. Well, uh, thank you. I wanted to thank uh, you, Madam President, members of the board, and members of the administration, and, and also at, at uh, this legislative session also, I think it's going to be worthwhile to give a, some thanks to our, our legislative delegation at the end of this process. We went into the legislative session this year with a bunch of new, about 40% of the legislature was new. We had new leadership in the House, and they were faced with three of the most complex, difficult issues school finance, tax policy, and a budget when you didn't have either of those things resolved, and which led us to today, uh, the conclusion of the, the regular legislative session uh, at the, the tying for the longest in the history of Kansas, which suggests that that's, uh, having those level of issues has its costs, and that was a 114-day legislative session. Um, I'm going to talk a bit about school finance, a little bit about tax, and talk about kind of what's coming next from the legislative perspective. A uh, couple of things I would emphasize before I talk in, in particular about the school finance bill is that everything that I'm going to talk about right now is, is speculative. This is an issue in front of the Supreme Court. They have uh, set uh, dates for uh, briefings and for oral argument, and I'll talk about that. But nothing, the money, the policy, all those kind of things that I'm talking about tonight are all speculative. None of it is, is resolved yet until we get some ruling from the court, other than the court has said we're going to let this be, be implemented, become law pending their review so that, there's, that, that uh, we can proceed, but things aren't resolved. Um, the court gave them guidance, the legislature guidance, to look at, in particular, um, the adequacy components, but most specifically in the Gannon decision about targeting resources towards at-risk kids, those kids that were not performing, that roughly 25% of the students in the state who aren't performing uh, up with the rest of the kids. And so, and then thirdly, overall adequacy. They're looking for adequacy, targeting money, resources at those kids, and then kind of raising everybody up uh, in, in funding. And that's what we spent a lot of time on during the legislative session. We had, uh, at the beginning of the legislative session, a lot of, 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 of uncertainty because there were, we went into the legislative session with no real coherent plan. There were a lot of ideas. There were multiple ideas. There were bills. There were people that you couldn't have imagined that were writing bills that were writing bills and all kinds of things going on. And so we ended up, eventually toward the end of the legislative session, everything coalesced around the, the House bill and our, the members of our delegation, Representative uh, Rooker and Representative Lusk, who were on that committee, were crucial in putting that formula together. And then on the, on the Senate side, uh, Senator Bollier was on the, the, the Senate committee, and they all it kind of by general, in, 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 a, in a strange way, the consensus was we're all headed back to this 
one area looks a lot like the old formula, but we're going to make some adjustments to it. And that's how we ended up in, in, in this position. I would note, although he's not here tonight, that Dr. Atha uh, invested a significant amount of his time in Topeka working with and meeting with you all, with members of our delegation. I know some of you met him at 6 in the morning or earlier, I think, to come over multiple times and make visits, and that is greatly appreciated, and that was uh, very helpful as we went through the process. So the school finance bill that was passed, and you have a written report, I won't get into the details of it, but essentially the House and the Senate each passed their version. We went to conference committee and negotiated the difference out, and, and that's the bill we ended up with, Senate Bill 19. It's now the governor signed on the 15th of June and is now before the Supreme Court. It emphasizes, uh, spends $194 million next year, 290 in the second year, and then proceeding after that, there'll be increases that'll be based on the Consumer Price Index Midwestern uh, CPI. It has, in general, the same components that were in the prior formula. There are increases in funding for all school districts in the base, so the base funding that's going to go up from 38.52 up to 44,006, and then up to 4080. There is increasing funding for at risk, which is the, the, the mathematical formula increases to add more money for at risk kids. There is the funding for the first time for all-day kindergarten as a full-time student, which will be a, a great help. There, is, there are changes that were made into the high-density at-risk formula, which has been limited in its application, but it was expanded to cover, you used to have to have a school district that made a threshold. Now there's a component in there that means if you have a school, and so we will have schools that will be eligible for high-density at-risk. That's part of both adding money at the at-risk level, but also specifically targeting, because it's about how do we get dollars to that 25% of students that aren't achieving at that level. And then it also, the formula also has built into it some uh, requirements of study, of evaluation, of looking at what are best practices for some of the weightings that are in the formula. But most importantly, building in, building in a lot of reviews over the next, to some of them beginning as soon as next year, but for the next seven or eight years, phased in over that time, looking at the components of the formula and trying to come up with some some uh, some scientific data on how what's working and what's not so that we can evolve over time. Some of the components are not the formula itself, but some of the components are sunset so that we'll have to go back and say, are we doing transportation right, yes or no, make those kind of changes. Um, there is um, the court got the case. They had, uh, I, I would mention that one of the things that, I w that was uh, in the school finance bill, uh, we uh, both in conversation and in written documentation that was given to members of our delegation were supportive of the bills as they came out of committee and supportive of the final agreement. I will note for the record that you have in your legislative platform opposition to the tuition tax credit component that is in the bill. When we, I talked with legislators in the written statements of support for this bill, I noted we do not support the tuition tax credit components of that formula, just as many legislators themselves had to make the choice, are all the other good things in here good enough to get my vote? And that was, uh, we noted that we wanted to see increases in the base, more targeting at risk, and some more local flexibility, and all three of those components in a minimal level were in that bill, and that's what led us to support that. But it was very clearly stated to everyone that we didn't support the tuition tax credit components. 
So it's in front of the court now. There'll be, there'll be briefings on June 30th. The oral argument is set for July 18th. They'll have that oral argument, and then the formula will take effect. If there are remedies that are needed, the court will make those determinations and, and render some kind of decision. Um, it is, uh, it is uh, possible, obviously, that the formula could be declared unconstitutional. There could be because the, the premise of the Gannon decision was the old formula and the block grant was not a constitutional means of funding, and so they needed to address that. There are the spectrum of views on what this school finance bill does. There are some that believe that it is sufficient, it will satisfy the court. The state believes that. The plaintiffs do not believe that it will satisfy the court. That it is that it's going to be adequate funding. Some folks argue that we haven't spent enough money in the right places. Need to spend more money at at risk. Need to target dollars more in those areas. And others uh, just believe that there are inequities built into the formula that were exacerbated. So there's a wide range of views about whether the, what the court will do on this. Uh, I think by setting an oral argument on July 18th, you're getting close to the beginning of school and. I don't know whether that's the court being reasonable and scheduling things out in that time frame to make those decisions or whether that there's a message in there that if we're close enough to school starting, what does that mean? I would say that in the, the range of dollars that were talked about satisfying the Supreme Court, this $190 million, $290 million is at the low end of the range. There was some talk, that, well, the court, that's part of one of the issues that we have with the formula, and I think some studies will help us reach some conclusions about that, but is it's $300 million enough? Is $500 million enough? Do you need $800 million? How much do you need? This is toward the low end of those kinds, of those, uh, that money that was talked about. It, it's very likely, particularly because it's funded at that low level, the Supreme Court, several members who were on there during the Montoy decision will remember when they, the legislature gave them a remedy that, uh, that we got through almost two years of a three-year plan and it never went away. So I think there's certainly some likelihood that the court is not going to wander far from watching what happens given what happened in the Montoy decision. The, the, the written report that I provided you also has a summary of the tax plan. That's important because it funds the school finance bill. It funds the rest of the budget for the legislature. The bill raised approximately $600 million a year for the next couple of years. It, uh, it, it begins to run short again in FY19, um, and it is not a complete repeal of the 2012 tax plan, but it's 95% it's of the way back there, 90% of the way back there. And there's a summary in there. There's also a lengthy summary of about five pages of the legislation that we tracked during the legislative session. I would note uh, school finance certainly occupied everyone's time and energy. I can maybe only think of two education bills that even made its way through the process because everybody was focused on these bigger picture issues. I'm happy to answer any questions you have. All those bills are alive for next year, next legislative session. Who knows what the court may have us do next legislative session as well. So I would be happy to answer any specific questions you may have. We're only guessing out loud here, but uh, is there a precedent as to when the court typically would render a fall decision? Meaning, do they look at it and say, well, the legislature reconvenes in January of next year, so we've got up until then to uh, offer up our view? Well, not an attorney, not a legal scholar. It, it's been interesting to watch how the court has responded at various times. You'll note a couple of years ago it was they 
released a decision 30 minutes after the legislature adjourned. So it's not like they're immune to understanding the, the politics of their actions. They, they do have an awareness of that. But I think that there is a, uh, there is a, a great deal of sensitivity to everybody's, you know, uh, the, the almost half of the state's budget is going to be implemented the second week, theoretically the second week of August, and I don't think they're going to do anything to, uh, to, to, me to mess with that. That's the least articulate way to describe that, but <laughs> to, 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 to make some issues there. And I think if there is some long-term solution, essentially they are, then at that point, five months away from the legislature coming back, and there may be something that they'll say, you need to make sure you address this when you get back, if they choose to retain jurisdiction. Oh, you talked about this earlier, Dr. Little. Definition of at risk, it's not necessarily free and reduced lunch. Is that correct? There are some changes that were made into the bill. There's now going to be for a couple of districts. We've, we've got some expanded what the at risk terminology is going to mean. There are those that are now uh, not at risk, but for a couple of, we've set essentially a, a 10% floor for at risk, and so districts that are below that will be able to access at-risk revenue based on the, the kids that they have that are meeting that kind of five-point criteria from the State Board of Education uh, now for non-performance, non those kind of things. So some of that's in there. Thank you. Ms. Neighbor. I think what we had, what we I think what we had heard was after oral arguments, somewhere between 30 and 45 days based on after oral arguments. That's kind of their timeline. So, Ms. Um And I know you don't have the crystal ball to know this, but do you think there's any chance that the court will not maintain jurisdiction over this? No. <coughs> Cindy says no. Me. I, <clears throat> I think a couple of factors that that I, that I would say that weigh for the the court retaining jurisdiction is that number one, this is not, this is maybe a, this is at the very low end of what the plaintiffs are seeking for in relief and what they'd like to see done, number one. Number two, there is a very specific target population that the court wants to address, which are those kids that are not keeping up with the rest of the kids. And in all honesty, there's not, there are probably 10 other things that could have been done to target that, and I think, frankly, we ran out of time that we, they, the legislature, ran out of time because there, there's more money in there, but there are a lot of other things that could be done to help those kids, and that simply wasn't done because of time and complexity. When you, when you start late, you don't have time to do the best work, maybe, sometimes. Um, and then the other issue would be what, how the legislature um, handled the Montoy decision when they said, when they passed a three-year plan. So I think those three things suggest the court is probably more inclined than not to, to keep their uh, oversight over resolution, particularly if they come up with some remedies. If they say, you need a little more at risk, you need to target some of these kind of things, they'll want to see that coming up again. Okay. Thank you. Ms. Neighbor? I would also add to Dr. Little's thing that if you're going to do a study of data to see how much progress you've made, you can't do it with just a year data or two-year data. It's going to take a period of time. So in order for the courts to be able to be satisfied 
in that area that that progress is being made, I think they'll retain jurisdiction for that. That's for one of the reasons. Thank you, Dr. Little. Thank you. Appreciate it. Okay, we move to C2, curriculum and instruction. Please. Good evening, Dr. Southwick, oh. members of the board. Um, actually, before I begin uh, addressing curriculum and instruction, I'd like to make one addendum to Dr. Southwick's superintendent's report, and that is the Step Up Summer Program for English Language Learners is underway as well. We've got about 75 kids meeting three days a week at Apache. Dr. Kent Yoakum is the director this year. And I just wanted to acknowledge the excellent work that they're doing. So, um, Tonight on your consent agenda, there are a number of items uh, related to curriculum and instruction. And I wanted a few minutes to just uh, give you a rundown of what that is. Uh, it's not normal for us to have quite that much all at the same time. So to give you a bit of a, an overview of that, I will be brief. Um, but I thought you would be, um, you would like to at least know a little more about the, the information. There are seven items, uh, and I'll just go through them very quickly. Um, the first is Learn 360 and World Almanac. This, and I should also note that six of the seven are renewals. They're services and uh, subscriptions that are already in place. The, the last item is the new one, and I'll address that at the end. Uh, Learn360 and World Almanac is a service that we um, pay for that is provided by KCPT, uh, Public Television. It is um, access primarily to streaming videos, um, but it is about providing a foundation of, resource, uh, of resources for research. Uh, about 200 organizations contribute to it, including organizations like National Geographic, PBS, History Channel, um, Encyclopedia Britannica. So it's a, a wide variety of resources. Their primary function, though, the primary use, has been to, prov um, to access streaming video. Rosetta Stone is another of the resources that we're asking for uh, renewal tonight. This is actually the second time this has come to you. The, the renewal came in two parts. The first part was last spring, uh, and so this is the second of two, uh, the second payment, I guess. Uh, for Rosetta Stone. It's primarily uh, used by English language learners. We've had it for three years, and this is a three-year renewal. Uh, so we have 165 licenses that we're asking to renew in order to support uh, language acquisition. Turnitin is a product that has been in the district for a number of years, mm -hmm. and it's used at the secondary level for detecting plagiarism. So they can turn papers in through that product and uh, deter determine if there's been plagiarism. Career cruising is also re a renewal, but it's only the second year that we've had it. Um, this is a product that is approved by the State Department of Education as a way to address the new requirement in the state that every student at the secondary level, middle and high school, have an individual plan of study. So career cruising, uh, which is also part of our accreditation process, will allow students to research career information, to gather information about what interests them, and to do some planning so that they can prepare for what courses will lead them to their eventual goals. Uh, of course, there's plenty of room for students to change their mind in that process, and there's a strong counseling 
components, um, not necessarily with counselors, but with mentors and with adults in the building. But it's uh, about providing individualized planning for every student. The McGraw-Hill Reading Renewal is to support our Wonders resource, which is our adopted um, English language arts program. And this is simply a renewal of consumables. We have workbooks uh, that we use every year. Those are consumed and we need to reorder, and that's what that, uh, that item is. Pebble Go is a resource um, that is focused on grades kindergarten through three. It is electronic books. And again, this is another foundation for research. This is um, primarily nonfiction in the areas of science and social studies, and it gives students foundational skills as they begin to learn about how to perform research. The final item on the CNI uh, part of the agenda tonight is graphing calculators. Uh, this is the new item for us, and we're requesting 845 calculators to be sp uh, split out between the six high schools, the five uh, comprehensive schools and Horizons. Uh, these calculators are intended to support students in Algebra 2 and higher. Uh, the intent is that they are available for students to check out on a, a short-term basis for kids who either don't have it for some reason or weren't able to afford it. Uh, so we're requesting that the uh, district provide those uh, and the intent is that those be used year after year. And with that, I would be glad to answer any questions uh, before Dr. Strike comes up. Can you give some examples of the tests that are used for the, the graphing calculators? Meaning are there some that preclude students from bringing other computers and into the room, did you say that? I didn't catch that. There are, the calculator is, is the standard calculator that's used in these courses. It's the kind that's accepted on, on standardized tests. Uh, so there are things you can do with a computer, but this is the calculator that they would need to use, for example, in standardized tests. And um, are they issued like our computers where they can take them home, or is it only for use in the classroom? Uh, it would probably be for a take-home for, be for a period of time. Okay. And then I've got one other question, just more curiosity than anything else. Um, the career cruising, it looks like we do it through a relationship with Greenbush, which is a cooperative in the, in the right. state. And I think that's interesting that we're using them as the, the conduit to, to provide a service. So what's our relationship with Greenbush on that? I don't know a lot about that relationship. The state has approved this resource. Greenbush has been a conduit for us and for <coughs> districts all across Kansas. So that's who we've gone through. Well, I'm going to read into it and say, anytime we can cooperate with other districts around the state, great. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And if we can save money in the process. Yeah. There you go. Ms. Mack? So knowing that this is the first time you've come to us for graphing calculators, can it be assumed that there's not going to be any big invention that's going to change the right. dynamic of a graphing calculator? And we would just be uh, purchasing replacements, et cetera, in the future? I hate to make predictions about technology. <laughs> Having said that, this is the same basic calculator that's been in place for a decade or more. And so um, it has a history and it has some longevity in terms of, of being used in this type of course. It's just hard to believe that we're, we're buying calculators, but I understand it's for testing purposes and for, right. for the certain courses that they're with. Thank you. 
Anybody else? Okay. Dr. Strike. In relation to ACT testing, I'll give you a little bit on the TIs. Those Texas Instrument calculators, they make sure they're blank because students are very creative and they can program into it so that they can have the calculator do the work for them instead of the student doing the work. So they are accessible and used for the ACT and other standardized tests as well. With the move of five of our signature programs to the Center for Academic Achievement, this new state-of-the-art facility provides the space to enhance and to expand the learning experiences for our students. As Dr. Southwick indicated during his presentation, we're anticipating over 400 students attending and participating in learning experiences here at the center during the 17-18 school year, and we're anxious and excited to have them here. The first proposed purchase for board consideration is utilized to equip our medical health science signature program through the selection of equipment designed to integrate our current high-tech mannequin that was funded from a First National Grant donation in 2015 uh, to secure a portable mannequin that would also allow the related equipment to interface with the old mannequin and the new mannequin in such a way that would provide our students with the ability to provide pre-hospital and in-hospital care from basic assessment to advanced life support skills. This simulation system will be incorporated into the two trauma rooms that are provided at the center. This uh, material will then allow our mannequins to be one in each room with the central control lab in the center that would allow the uh, newly hired uh, instructor that has extensive simulation experience, she's a registered nurse, to be able to provide those scenarios for our students in conjunction with Connie Gandhi, who is our visionary lead instructor for the medical, high, medical health science program. Connie has been instrumental in selecting this equipment. She's utilized her advisory team members who uh, are healthcare professionals in selecting the equipment so that we know we are getting the right equipment for the program. Uh, these simulations will provide clinical experiences for our students in evaluation and the treatment of patients. Our student scenarios will be recorded via video and audio input so that they will then be recorded and be able to be then debriefed with our instructors following the scenarios because I don't know if you're like I've been as a student. Uh, sometimes I think I did something and then when I look back on video, it is contrary to what I thought I did. So this will allow us to uh, provide teachable moments for our students. This opportunity also provides us the uh, partnership with Project Blue Eagle because one of the mannequins and the recording system is portable. So we should be able to take the uh, mannequins outside the walls of CAA and try to go into establish emergency response scenarios for our students to participate as well and be able to record that data as well. The second proposed purchase is designed to support our biotechnology signature program. The current equipment that has permitted our students to excel internationally has been moved from West to CAA. The biotechnology program also benefited from a generous First National Bank donation in 2015. This was utilized to uh, secure equipment for culturing mammalian cells, which is pretty uncommon for a high school. 
with the expansion of the new biotechnology space at CAA, which goes beyond the traditional classroom lab design to an advanced biosafety laboratory, uh, research-grade facility, the equipment outlined in the proposal has been vetted by our award-winning instructor, Brenda Bott, who Dr. Southwick highlighted earlier this evening. So the whole idea is that these equipment items, if they're approved by the board, would catapult our students' award-winning laboratory techniques to even higher heights. The entire purpose of the uh, equipment design is to ensure that the student's safety and research techniques are advanced. So uh, if you want more information, please check the district's website because both Brenda and Aaron Smith's information and their accolades are on the website. So I'd be happy to answer any questions you might have on either of those two programs. And I don't mean to put you on the spot, yes. Dr. Strike, but these mannequins, from what I've been described, are just incredible what they can simulate. Can you give us yes. just a real brief? Let's run just through? run through. You can go through uh, basic life support all the way through respiratory, heart, cardiac, uh, 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 urinary, as well as basically most of the bo major body systems. So it is a state-of-the-art. The one that we're asking as a part of this proposal is integrated at a little lower level, but the one that we purchased through the gift from the First National Bank is state-of-the-art, and we haven't been able to tap its talents because we've never had the equipment in a facility like what we have available for our students in the 17-18 school year. It is truly, truly a dynamic learning tool. So the instructor will actually be able to kind of like have that mannequin have symptoms and the student has to try Correct. to figure out what, what the symptoms mean and how to Correct. interact them and that sort of thing. Yes, so, so the, wow. the instructor along with Connie's guidance will be able to actually pre-program that, that mannequin to respond. The student then will have to respond back to the symptoms that are presented by that. Mannequin. Wonderful, thank you. It's, it's quite an endeavor, thank you. Ms. Neighbor. Actually, if you've ever had the opportunity to go to a nursing school and, and watch them teach, um, it is phenomenal because you can stand behind the screen and you can spike a temperature, you can cause uh, a, the starting of a stroke and they're assessing what might cause that or a person may say, I have pain in such and such an area. And at the same time while they're doing that, their blood pressure may be falling. So you have to be aware of the complete surroundings and what can cause that. So it's um, it's more of a real hands-on without the, the real person there, but it simulates absolutely everything and it is very, very exciting. And the students will be actually charting while yes. they're, the students will actually be in charting so they're not just responding to the mannequin, they're taking data and inserting it into their uh, computers when they go through that simulation. Okay. Thank you. Anybody else? Okay. Thank you, Dr. Strike. Can I get back up here to where I need to be? Okay. Nothing. Okay. We do not have anyone for open forum tonight, so we will move down to the approval of minutes E1, the approval of the uh, minutes from the special meeting of May 22nd, 2017. So moved. Second. Thank you, Dr. Denny. Thank you. Was that Miss Neighbor? Yes. This is really Okay. Is there any discussion? All those in favor, please say aye. 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 
All those opposed? Motion carries 7-0. Okay, E2, the approval of the minutes of the regular meeting of May 22nd, 2017. So moved. Thank you, Ms. Sela. Second. Thank you, Ms. Bisfield. Any discussion? All those in favor, please say aye. 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 All those opposed? Motion carries 7-0. Okay, E3, the special meeting, approval of the minutes of the special meeting of June 1st, 2017. So moved. Thank you, Ms. Second. Is that Ms. Neighbor? Sorry, I couldn't hear over myself. All those, uh, oh, any discussion? All those in favor, please say aye. 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 All those opposed? Motion carries 7-0. Okay, we move to F1, which is the adoption of the agenda for tonight's meeting. Move to adopt. Thank you, Mr. Stratton. Second. Thank you, Ms. Sela. Any discussion? All those in favor, please say aye. 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 All those opposed? Motion carries 7-0. That moves us to G1, which is the approval of routine business by consent. So moved. Second. Thank you, Ms. Neighbor. Thank you, Ms. Busfield. Is there any discussion? Oh, Ms. Neighbor. Uh, thank you. Um, I think it um, really worked out well tonight. We on the consent agenda. Agenda we've had uh, some discussion prior to to talk about the items that are on the consent agenda, and hopefully I uh, hope that helps those that are watching this to understand what these programs are and uh, where they're in place and, and what they do. So uh, thank you, um, Interim Superintendent Southwick, for <laughs> suggesting that. Okay. Any other discussion? All those in favor, please say aye. 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 All those opposed? Motion carries 7-0. Okay, that moves us down to... Let's see, consent, recommend for action. Recommend for action, we have N1, which is the approval of the 2017-18 YMCA and JCPR daycare leases with SMSD, Dr. Southwick. Yes, I have asked, uh, have asked that Dr. Neal tonight present um, some of the works that she's done over the last several months with respect to the leases and the programs that we'll have in place and share a little information with you tonight. So, and. Uh, before she starts, I, I want to thank her personally for, I think, a, a deep dive into uh, something that we maybe hadn't looked at that closely before. So I think we have some good information, hopefully have made some good decisions as we move forward. So, Dr. Neal, thank you very much. You're welcome. Thank you for um, allowing me to share just a little bit of information. As you know, for many years, I cannot... I don't, I can't even dive into the history to know exactly when our relationships began with um, Johnson County Parks and Rec, JCPRD, their daycare, and uh, YMCA. They share uh, the sites and provide a very important uh, resource for our families. They provide that extended care for families that work or have other obligations and may need to have um, either a before care option for their students, after care option, typically they run seven to six. And this year, with our ex expansion of pre-kindergarten, one of the things that we really were trying to do was, in visiting with families and visiting with some of our teachers, 
One of the barriers sometimes is the fact that our pre-kindergarten program is a half-day program. So asking those providers if they would be willing to um, step forward and partner with us to provide that other half-day care, what we're kind of calling wraparound care, that allows them then to have a menu of options. Um, if they need before care, then they come to us for the half day and they have an option for the other half day. They also need that after school care. Um, both of the partners were very responsive. One of the things that we ask them, because I know it's important to you all, um, is to try to make it as family friendly as possible, uh, to make it cost effective. And so one of the things that I would point out to you as you're considering the lease agreements um, this evening, one nuance or change this time is we went to the partners and we said, if we allowed um, in our discussion with them, they shared that this was done in some other places and it sounded like um, a win for our families. In schools that have, that serve families that are 50% or more families qualify for free and reduced lunch, we said if we waive the facility rental fees in those buildings, and for us that's 10 buildings, um, and have you go back and do some work. We would like for you to pass along the savings in some manner to our families. We didn't prescribe or, or do anything because they, it, you know, really they're the organization that are going to set their fees and to do that. But ask them with the focus on um, really working toward passing along some of those cost savings or developing that other wraparound care in a, in a manner that is cost effective, um, as cost effective and competitive as possible. And so that's what we have done with those lease agreements. And um, so that is what sits before you this evening. And they're split roughly. Um, JCPRD, I think, serves at 15 buildings and YMCA serves at 18. And it is the same provider um, at the schools um, that provided those services last year. Any questions? Anybody? Oh, Not a question, but I would certainly move approval on something we've needed for a long time with the early childhood. Second. Thank you, Ms. Bisfield. Thank you, Ms. Mack. Any other discussion? Questions? Thank you for that information. You're welcome. I just have one question. I thought there was one building that switched from Y to JCVRD or vice versa. Did that not happen? It did not. Um, you know, originally that was something that um, we were we were looking. Um, one of the partners really stepped forward first, um, but then the other partner said, "You know, we'd like the opportunity, uh, and we would be willing to develop a similar program." So we allowed all of those buildings to switch back. There was one outlier that was Miriam Park because we had a um, a grant application out with the Y that the Y um, was working with us on. Uh, Rose Hill has had an existing. Um, it's a summer loss prevention program that they have had for three years that was up for a renewal as well as they were willing to put forth effort to write a similar type of a grant for Marion Park we thought that was important to to work in tandem if it had been approved for um, they are doing some community schools work there that's really important and that would have offered us some options to extend that um, the grant um, is was a federal uh, grant and that was not approved so once that was no longer, um, we felt like it was fair to allow um, that school, since we had sent all of the other ones back to their original provider, to allow that one to do so as well. JCPRD was very willing to, um, to take that one um, back and to, to design um, a program similar to what they're designing in those other buildings. 
And, and to the extent you're aware, our, our families are pleased with the outcome. I have spoken with um, with some families that had expressed, you know, concern over a switch, and mm -hmm. they were very um, happy and, and thankful to go back to that. Thank mm -hmm. you. Anybody else? Okay, we have motion and a second. Uh, all those in favor, please say aye. 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 All those opposed? Motion carries 7-0. Thank, Thank you. you, Dr. Neal. Okay, we move to P1 Business Services, approval of the construction trades contract for demolition earthwork precast concrete and site utilities Brookwood. So the work to begin to rebuild Brookwood is underway. I might mention that um, Indian Creek has been remodeled now to allow students to move down the street on 103rd um, into Indian Creek for next year until we can open the building. Um, as we have done with other buildings in the process, we are asking you tonight to approve part of the contract work so we can go in and demo the building, start the earthwork that we need, um, and most importantly, because of the construction market right now with precast concrete walls, we have to get our orders in very quickly so they stay with the schedule. So uh, the bid that you have uh, tonight that we ask for you to approve is for about $1.4 million and some change. We also have taken the rest of the bids and are in the process of vetting all of the subcontractors that we have, and we will be back at the July meeting to present the rest of those bids. We are happy to say that um, the cost for Brookwood has fallen in line with our other elementary schools, so we feel good about the price that we have, and um, under our budget for estimate that we had uh, from J.E. Dunn as we worked through the process. So. We'll bring that back to you uh, at the July meeting, uh, but we want to get started with this construction as soon as we can. Okay. I would move approval. Thank you, Ms. Sela. Second. Thank you, Dr. Denny. Is there any discussion or any questions? Yes, Ms. I just Sela. have one question. The precast concrete, that's basically for the gymnasium walls, is that correct? Now, all of our new elementary schools have... Um, uh, precast uh, concrete structure that serves them on a daily basis, but also um, as a 250 mile an hour wind shelter. That's a standard that was developed when we began to look at all of our new elementary schools, so they all have that that shelter. Uh, so again, that those walls have to be made so that we can put together and stay with our schedule. Right. And to withstand winds like that, I'm sure that takes a yeah, lot of. We we hope we don't have to use them. <laughs> As I've said several times on a lot of things that we do, we have to look at uh, probability and possibility. And the probability of those things happening may not be that great, but we have to plan for the possibility. So we build it and we hope that we never have to use it. But um, if we do, um, our kids will be safe. And, and the shelters are also open for people in the neighborhood should they need it too. So plenty of square footage in that building to take care of anybody that's there. Thank you. Hey, oh, Mr. Chairman. Uh, a related question. Uh, remind me what we've done in the past for signage, meaning when we had the Broadmoor as the temporary location for Briarwood. I can't remember what signage we do. For someone who lives really close to Indian Creek and goes to block parties and lots of people ask me, uh, <laughs> when will it turn into Brookwood? Um, we've been on an 18 to 24 month schedule. Uh, we're looking at potential of a winter break to a spring break 
in 19 so that it'll, um, we'll break ground. We'll work through this next year on into the 18 school year. We will not be ready to open up in the fall of 18. It'll be similar to what we did when we built Briarwood and, and uh, Trailwood. And how do we rebrand Indian Creek for that one year for signage purposes? Well, I'd have to talk to Mr. Robinson about that, but you'd probably also have to talk to the city of Overland Park. Our cities are pretty ouchy about what signs we can use and what signs we can't use. So, Mr. Robinson, I'm going to call on you if you know anything about what we've done. We've moved some signs in the past, but I'm not sure where we are. But it's a main street, and I wanted folks to know what was going to be going on there for the next year. We are in the process of working with Overland Park to see if we can move their existing sign or put another sign there that we have that we took from one of the other sites. But the intent would be to have a marquee sign there for, for the school. But we're still working through city, city procedures on that. Okay, until then, I'll, I'll keep letting all the neighbors know. Okay. <laughs> we're we're going to have school there. Um, I can report that our original work with the city of Leewood um, as we work through their codes process and um, would not have allowed us to have a marquee sign there. But we were able to have some meetings with city staff, uh, city leadership, and we are entering into an agreement that would allow us to operate with the sign there. Uh, once we explained that uh, we, weren't, we weren't a building where we were trying to make money, we weren't a true government building. Um, we were a school, and it was important to parents. They were uh, very collaborative with us, and now we have in place and are planning on having a sign at the new Berkwood School. So, Thank you. Thank you. Okay, we have a motion and a second, and we've had discussion. Anybody else have anything they want to say? All those in favor, please say aye. 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 All those opposed? Motion carries 7-0. Okay, P2, the approval of Architectural Engineering Services, SMSD District Aquatic Center Parking Garage, Dr. Sopic. So as we move forward with the Aquatic Center, and it's um, been a little bit of delay as we work with um, our budget, as with all construction costs, we're always trying to make sure that our design and the program uh, follows down and meets the budget that we have that would be available for the building. We were happy to announce that our, the collaboration that we have with the city of Lenexa as we did this, we looked at the parking that we would need plus the parking that they would like to have to support uh, their city center square. So we agreed several months ago that we would work on an MOU where we shared the cost for the parking garage and also the ongoing maintenance um, for the parking garage. And we've had attorneys working with their attorneys to do that. Um, as a result of that, we thought that it would be in our best interest to bring forward and approve separate from the Aquatic Center um, the approval for the architectural services to bring that design back to you. So when, when we look at this um, and we actually bring this motion to you, you'll have um, probably two motions as we look at it right now. One for the facility itself and one for the parking structure. And again. Um, we're happy with the partnerships that we've had at Lenexon for them to step up and agree that they're, they're going to pay for 50% of the cost of this garage. So what we're asking for you tonight is just to approve um, for us to move forward with um, the cost for architects and design. So move. Thank you, Second. Dr. Denning. Thank you, Ms. Sela. 
Any further discussion? Any questions for Dr. Southwick regarding this matter? All those in favor, please say aye. 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 All those opposed? Motion carries 7 0. Okay, we move to Q1, which is Action Superintendent Approval of Revised Board Policy JGCA Student Wellness, Dr. Southwick. This is a formality. It's, it's statute. Um, you, as it's been presented to you, is exactly the wording that we need to have in place to, to be um, in coordination with the law. So we would present this to you and would ask that you um, approve it basically on a first reading. So moved. Second. Thank you, Dr. Denny. Thank you, Ms. Bisfield. Any discussion? All those in favor, please say aye. 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 All those opposed? Motion carries 7 0. Okay. Action uh, Board of Education. We have before us our um, membership in the Kansas Association of School Boards which runs every year from July 1st, 2017 to June 30th, 2018. The membership dues this year are $19,134. So it's up for discussion. I would like to take a, entertain a motion in a second so then we can discuss. We can so that. moved. Thank you, Ms. Neighbor. Second. Thank you, Mr. Stratton. Okay. Discussion. Any discussion? Maybe I should see if there's we, any discussion. We have a... Uh, an invoice before us that has option one and two. Uh, one is simply the dues as you've outlined, uh, and the other option two includes a season pass. It's it's identified as optional. Um, I believe that's a fifteen hundred dollar fee that covers the ability for some number of board members to attend some number of KSB sponsored events, but I don't remember exactly. How many and and so as a part of this discussion I would ask is is there value in that option I think the first year they offered this we had it the second year which was last year I believe that we didn't opt to do it um, 1500 is basically a season pass and it doesn't really I don't think there's a number you can go to we can go to as many things that are covered under the season pass the classes or workshops or whatever they would be and it's I believe it's us and uh, the administrators mm -hmm. too that would cover that so but it doesn't cover things like the annual meeting or things like I don't that. think it covers it like the convention and no no, no. Yeah. but it covers things and typically those fees would range Terry do you know what the fees would range for an addition for a class I think it's usually 150. Yeah, so I you're, think I think, I, if our memory serves me correct, I was thinking that we needed to, to do like nine to, to break even. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we didn't that first year. We didn't use it enough? Right. Right. So mm -hmm. we decided the next year not to, yes. yeah, that we didn't have enough cl classes right. yeah, that were underneath that, that were eligible for the season pass. Mm -hmm. So, yes, Mr. Stratton. In, in the first year that we did that two years ago, I was in my first year, so I took advantage of it probably more than someone otherwise would have because there was a lot of new board member training that I sat in on. Interestingly enough, this bill falls kind of in the middle before we have a new board member. So <laughs> I kind of did the math in my head and said, well, they'd only be able to really take advantage of half of the year. Mm -hmm. um, 
beginning in January. Uh, so although I think it's a, a nice offering, the break-even makes it a little trickier to get there. And I believe it does cover, though, that it's the district it covers, though, too. So, Dr. Southwick, would you anticipate having any? Uh, my thoughts are this, that um, I think it's important that you're involved in your state organization. And if the break-even is nine, and I'm only saying this because you've asked my opinion, uh, that means each of you might go to one thing and a couple of you go to two things. And I just don't think that's too much if we can go think to things that are meaningful. So um, uh, my comments to some of you around this have been, if we're going to be members, we need to be good members. We need to participate. We need to find out what's going on out in the state and be maybe somewhat more collaborative than what we've been in the past. Um, we're Shawnee Mission, but we educate kids just like everybody across the state. So I would... I would encourage you, if you spend this money, uh, only spend it if you'll use it. And encourage yourself to get out and be involved. So that's my two cents. Yes, Ms. Neighbor. Um, there may be an opportunity this year with the uh, change in Washington and a new Secretary of Education and what roles change and... and uh, but some of the uh, thinking is that there may be an opportunity to learn a little bit about, let's say, the Medicaid issue and uh, some of the other impact that, that may have influence in some of our policy and guidelines. So that's something to think about as that comes more to fruition. So. You know, and just looking at this bill, too, now I'm realizing they used to have the legal fund that we mm -hmm. participated yeah. in, and I thought they usually always put that on the bill, but I don't see it on the bill. The legal. It's a separate um, item in the last couple of years. Okay. Okay. If we wanted to do the legal part. Okay. okay. So we have um, this in front of us. Anyone else have any comments or something? No, I, I, I think I'm confused. We have the membership, and then we're going to vote on the season pass we can, we can do whatever you want to do i think the motion actually as i read it was that it was for the membership renewal for okay. nineteen thousand one hundred and thirty four dollars is the way i read it so if anyone wants to amend the motion to include the season pass if we want to do that or we can just do a separate motion for the season pass i have a call please yes Ms. And, and i do take into consideration what dr southwick said but i think you know when we got the season pass last time we were kind of all hepped up that we would certainly get our money's worth out of it and maybe more hopefully and we did not so maybe reality set in and we couldn't make all the things that we would have liked to have made um so i'm i'm thinking that maybe we do the dues and test it out this year and see if maybe it would be cost effective for us next year to do a season pass, but not include that this year. Since our past history, it has not been very cost-effective for us. Just a comment. Mr. Shelton. Um, I'll concur because I want to remind us all that nothing precludes us from attending more. Absolutely. Right. So right. if, in fact, we attend events and we ring up a bill of $1,600, well, that's sure. so be it. So be that's it. And then we've learned that year. That's right. But uh, so nothing precludes us from going a la carte, so that I don't I don't mind passing on the season pass this year. Any other comments? Okay, the motion sits in front of you then, just for the uh, membership renewal. 
for KSB for $19,134 for this year. And I have a motion and a second. So all those in favor, please say aye. 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 All those opposed? Motion carries 7-0. And seeing no motion, of anyone want to make a motion about the season pass? No motion. Okay. So we will move past it. Okay. Next up we have R2, which is the approval of the contract addendum for the interim superintendent. As you all remember, in April, I believe it was, we held a special meeting and named Dr. Southwick as our interim superintendent uh, for the next school year. And so before you tonight sits the approval of the contract addendum for the, um, for the interim superintendent, Dr. Southwick, for the 17-18 school year. It does last. So basically this addendum lays over the top of his current contract and just um, addresses the um, salary that he would then receive for, the, um, for serving as our interim superintendent. It is my, um, uh, I believe that uh, what he's planning on doing is we will not be backfilling the deputy, deputy superintendent position, and so we will just have uh, one position, and so there will be a cost savings to the district because we're not backfilling that position. Yeah, and technically, um, I will continue to serve as the deputy, but take on any of those duties that the superintendent, so it's the superintendent's position We're not filling that you that. won't fail for this year. Thank you for that clarification. Um, yeah. Okay. In, in, in the interest of the time and effort, um, as we visited with staff, we're going to cover what needs to be covered so that you have an opportunity to have those dollars available to you to spend how you choose this year and also to offset the cost of any search, search. fees that you have. So, yeah, We appreciate you um, stepping forward to do that and uh, so we can concentrate our work too on finding the next superintendent for our school district. So, have a approval. Thank you, Ms. Seeler. Thank you, Ms. Seeler. Is there any, uh, any other comments? Any discussion? Thank you, Dr. Seeler. Thank you. Thank you. All those Thank in you. favor, please say aye. 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 All those opposed? Motion carries 7-0. Okay. Uh, we move to then T1, comments from board members. Okay. Oh, Ms. Actually, Dr. Southwick, I have just one question for you. Um, we talked about states' um, issues and stuff like that. The federal issue, we've gotten calls on the Medicaid or the ACA repeal and all of that kind of stuff. And people are prompting us to contact our legislators and stuff. And I didn't know if you had a comment on that on behalf of the district. I do. We're watching it very closely. Uh, we are looking at what impact we would have in the district. Uh, we're also trying to count votes, uh, reach out to legislators, Congress people to uh, help us as we move through that process. We think right now, um, if the bill went through, it would be somewhere... Um, a little over a million dollars that we, we would lose in those reimbursements that flow through the state. Um, the good news for that is, is that it doesn't look like right now is the way the bill's written that there's enough votes for it to pass. Uh, but we're going to not. We're going to continue to monitor. We've also had a few of people in the community that have reached out to us that we've committed that we will continue to keep them in the loop to share what information that we have so that we can work on this together. Uh, sometimes when school districts make phone calls, um, it doesn't have the same impact as we have community members and parents do that, so we want to collaborate with them as we go through the process. So we're monitoring every day. 
I'll go home tonight and watch the news and see if they've made any adjustments or if they think they're any closer to the vote. But uh, my impression is that we're moving further away right now rather than close, but I think that can change and we have to monitor it daily. Thank you. Anybody else? Oh, Mr. Schrack? Go ahead. Oh, oh Mrs. I, just, I just wanted to echo uh, what Mrs. Neighbor said earlier. Thank you for coming and explaining some of the items on the uh, consent agenda. And Dr. Neal, thank you for your explanation. It's, it's always great to have that extra information and have the people here in case there are questions that arise. So thank you very much. Mr. Stratton. What's interesting about our June meeting is it's the last meeting of the year. And in a school year, we really celebrate in May because we have the graduation. And so that's kind of the culmination of a successful year. It's always ironic that in June, we have our last meeting of the year and it's kind of quiet. Um, but I want to acknowledge a couple of things. First of all, the leadership of Dr. Henson. We are wrapping up a year here and his term ends at the end of this week. And so I do want to publicly acknowledge the leadership and the, and the commitment and the, the influence that he's had on this district for the last three years. Uh, secondly, um, we're going to have a year of transition next year. I mean, there's multiple things that will take place in this next year. I'm excited about the fact that we're going to have a year of transition. We're going to have transition in administrative leadership, board leadership, even board membership, at least in one spot. So I wanted to offer those comments to at least give some form of closure to, to this year and acknowledge what we've been through and, more importantly, the opportunities we have in front of us for next year. Thank you for a great year of service and for our leadership, and I look forward to turning the page next year. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Anybody else? Yeah, next month. Dr. Denny. I move that the Board of Education recess to executive session in order to discuss personnel matters relating to non-elected personnel and to consult with our attorney on matters deemed privileged in the attorney-client relationship. We will reconvene at 8.25. No further business will be conducted following the executive session. Second. Thank you, Ms. Sela. Thank you, Dr. Denny. Is there any discussion? All those in favor, please say aye. 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 All those opposed? Motion carries 7-0. Thank you all for attending tonight.